coming up on Why I Move. You're strapped into a BDSM looking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real appeal, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. We just want to be on one of those beds in a, yeah. Yeah, in a yeah, nice yeah. leather outfit. So you're you're on a on the BDSM bed, strapped into some ropes and pulleys, and you you work out. I'm Hannah, and I'm Natasha. We're editors at LUK, and in this podcast, we're digging deep into the highs and lows of our guests' lives as we talk to them about how they move. This podcast is created by Elle in association with Nike. Each episode, we'll be inviting Nike coaches and trainers to join the conversation and share their stories about how movement has affected their lives. This week, we're joined by trainer Marlene Schmidt. Marlene, before we start the show and meet our celebrity guest, what do you specialize in? I specialize in yoga and meditation. It's my focus of work to give people the chance to connect to their physical body in a holistic way. Great. And what's the most important thing for you to get into the flow? To get into the flow is to set an intention in the beginning to really anchor myself in the present moment and then just go with it. Amazing. We'll catch up with you later, Marlene. Now, on with the show. Today, we're joined by Isamea French. Isamea is an internationally renowned makeup artist and founder of the Isamea Beauty brand, which launched just last year. Isamea is known for her cutting-edge creations that redefine how we see beauty. She's a makeup artist, sure, but really Isamea is an artist who works with makeup. Her otherworldly creations range from the fantasy animals she created at this year's New York Fashion Week to the infamous runway look she created using Lego back in 2015. Isamea has been on our radar since she was featured on our L list in 2018 as one of the 50 movers and shakers of the moment. So it should be no surprise that her client list is bigger than my beauty collection. She's worked with the who's who of brands, including Burberry, Byredo, Off-White, Yves Saint Laurent, as well as our sponsors, Nike. If you've ever come across Isamea, you'll know that even with her love of makeup, she takes a no-filter approach to her work. She's a creative force with a big heart for the causes that she cares about, so we are thrilled to have her as a guest on this new L podcast. Isamea, welcome to Why I Move. How are you feeling today? Thank you. What a lovely... Lovely intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) Blushing. (laughs) That was very sweet of you. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, thanks. Right, first up, like you would any good workout, we're going to start with a little warm-up just to get the blood flowing. We're going to start to gently get the heart rate up and to get to know you better by whizzing through a bit of your vital information. So you've got one minute to finish the following sentences. Oh, God, pressure. Okay, Are are you ready? Yeah, okay. Okay, let's go. My most challenging sporting moment. So I used to be a high board diver. I can still quite sort of viscerally feel the anxiety of standing on the end of like a three metre or five metre platform before having to do a dive. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, I would <laughs> I mean, it sounds it. The tune that always gets me moving. Sally Comes Up by Moby. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. I didn't expect that's left field. I didn't expect it. My go-to workout outfit. That's one thing I don't spend very much money on I mean it's really ropey stuff like a band t-shirt and some shorts it's not love not it. sexy yeah yeah perfect <laughs> my celebrity gym buddy would be it would have to be Gwendolyn Christie <laughs> it would have to be Gwendolyn Christie we did a lot of working out for her Game of Thrones role many years ago 
Oh, I had her um, doing sit-ups in dog shit at one point. We'll oh get to that God. later. I <laughs> love the basis of our friendship. I love that you are behind her success of Game of Thrones. No, I got yeah. no credits taken apart from the abs. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no excuses when it comes to Isamaya being a personal trainer. Um, a good workout day looks like? An early morning. Okay, time's up. Okay. So before we get into your current workout routine, can we go back a little bit to when you were younger? Um, I understand you played sport quite competitively. Can you tell us a bit more about that and what your attitude was to movement and exercise? Sure. I mean, I so I started dancing when I was about four or five. I mean, I don't know if that really counts, does it? But it got things moving. And I did ballet and did contemporary and did you know, street dance, all all of the dancing things. Um, and I did that up until I was probably about 24. I was still, after I moved to London, I was still going to Pineapple and I was part of a theatre company. So the majority of my young life was definitely spent dancing. Um, but then <clears throat> maybe more seriously, I was a, a competitive diver. I joined the diving club when I was seven years old. And I remember I used to have to wear a a full body wetsuit because I was so skinny and small and it was one of those really grotty old <laughs> you know like 90s swimming pools yeah and um so I used to have to put wetsuit on because I get so cold in the water and I did that probably until just before I left for university and was that your idea did you say oh I want to do this or how did it come about yeah I think um I did diving so I didn't want to do swimming and I saw, you know, my mum would take me for swimming lessons and um, I didn't sort of naturally, because I, I was just so cold all the time, <laughs> I didn't enjoy doing it. But then I'd, I'd look at the divers at the end of the pool and think, you know, I'd wanted, I wanted to do that. Um, and then actually my family got very involved and invested and my parents became dive coaches at one point and it was a, a serious, you know, we drive around the country to competitions and training camps and that kind of thing. And... Did you enjoy it? Was there ever a time where it became like not fun anymore? I think I, I mean, I did, I loved it and I did it for years. I think towards the end, I actually, you know, one of the reasons I stopped was because my wrist started to become quite um, painful. You know, when you, when you dive, when you enter the water, you have to lock out your mm. hands, mm. right? Mm. And to protect your head as part of the thing. Uh, I'm like, if I shave my armpits, I just lifted up my arms <laughs> I mean, then. It doesn't matter Your arms did look really good when you did yeah, that. Yeah, you look yeah, very, very strong. <laughs> so you have to, you know, you have to lock out. And if you're doing that, you know, since the age of seven on water, you know, flat body of water is actually quite hard. Oh, it's hard. tough, yeah. Mm. And I just thought, do you know what? I'm not going to take this to Tom Daly's level. level. <laughs> I may as well quit while I'm ahead, do you know what I mean? So I ended up leaving it and, yeah, doing yeah. other things. Um, so obviously you were a very serious diver, but you were also a dancer, as you've said. And as a as a former dancer myself, growing up with that dancing mentality is something I can identify with. And But speaking personally, I know that it had a huge impact on the way that I saw my body. I was very harsh critic of myself, my looks, my physicality. I wasn't particularly comfortable hitting puberty, getting boobs, and because, you know, the dance industry is harsh. And at the time, I really internalised that. And I wanted to know if that's something you experienced. Absolutely. You know, just hearing you say that, I forget that I think if you grow up with a, like a serious kind of sports or dancing background 
you do become the biggest critic, don't you? Because that's that's what it's all about the whole time. I actually, you know, I I was quite a late developer as well. And I think in hindsight, that would have contributed to how hard I pushed myself mm. in a way because... You know, I was really jealous of all these girls with big boobs. Like, that's what I wanted. <laughs> but I didn't have them. Mm. And so I think in a way, being very lean and muscular and and sport, just it was my kind of the safe space for me. Because mm-hmm. and I still, you know, I laugh with some of my girlfriends now because when I say when I'm, you know, if we're on the beach in bikinis, I feel my most comfortable and my most kind of sexy if I'm like playing netball or I'm doing mm. something active yeah. the, I hate sitting there in a bikini and or just like not Post. doing anything yeah, there's yeah. nothing that makes me feel worse than that I I feel like I'm at my best well my body looks my best when it's in motion yeah that's so interesting that's, yeah yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> I find that <laughs> swimming you know what I feel strongest swim- in, a bi- yeah. in, a, in a bikini swimming like I feel Same. so strong totally. and, it, it, and I've never thought of it yeah. that way but you're so right god can't bear lying on a sun lounger <laughs> I, I don't I, I think that's my most vulnerable maybe not doing anything yeah, yeah. I just quickly want to touch on I know in your 20s you did a lot of work with the Theo Adams Company, which for anyone who doesn't know it is a contemporary performance group. They're known for really immersive, almost satirical movement and performance. I really wanted to ask you how that training might have influenced or inspired your movement practice. I think the most ama- one of the most amazing things uh, about the company was just the diversity of talent and body shapes mm. and people mm. and attitudes. And I joined the company when I was about... Uh, maybe like 22 or I forget for me coming from Cambridge you know and going straight into university and then finding this company was just like oh my god it was just like the 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 ultimate liberation I got to work with professors of you know queer theatre or an opera singer or Sonoya who was with the Royal Ballet School and just the most amazing performers ever Mm. and we somehow managed to come together and produce this like ridiculous work Mm. and it was just it's really liberating and wonderful and in many ways convention breaking compared to because I dabbled my ballet teacher was royal ballet and stuff like that and so came up very much in that strict traditional parameter for dance Mm. and and performance whereas obviously something like Thea Adams was all about breaking all of those traditions and like undoing all of that sort of status quo of the movement well it was sheer madness yes Mm. and I think uh it's funny because I um I've been reading a little bit about um the idea that self-elected moments of madness actually help with sanity these these moments where you can just totally be crazy and like let go and be mad and whatever actually have a, a sort of like a rebalancing effect on the rest of your kind of emotional state and psyche mm. and i you know there's probably there's definitely something very cathartic in it obviously mm. yeah yeah and that's i think what contributed to feeling so incredible as a performer in the Thea Adams company because you did have these moments of self-elected madness. Yeah, yeah. It seems like in life we're like missing those uh, self-inflicted moments of madness or like the opportunity to do that. Like I can't think, you know... I see, like, my kid doing it. Like, I just need to have more of those kind of moments. Screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And there's running, like, running and not being on a run, just running. Yeah. With, like, quite free abandon. (laughs) Um, No, I was thinking, just as you were saying it, I was like, when in my life do I actually 
and then I was like, do we all go? Do we all need to go to rage rooms? And but then that's too structured. That's well, why I you need to like. Perhaps that's why dancing and raving is such mm. a huge part of our yeah. culture because ultimately you are free yeah. in yeah. those moments. So we're moving on to the section of the show, which we've called the starting line. And it's the part where we ask you how you got into the chosen sport that we're here to talk more about today, which in this case is Pilates, more specifically reformer Pilates. So Isamir, can you tell us how you got into it? Sure. Um, Well, my very first Pilates experience was at an MMA gym because I used to work part time at an MMA gym in King's Cross down the road because I was doing martial arts and capoeira and stuff. And they had a great Pilates instructor there. It was, you know, it's Pilates for MMA fighters, yeah, student mm. practitioners. And I and I really loved doing it. And then when I left there, I don't know, the, you know, the regular Pilates I'm not so in, invested in. Um, and then I found this place called Tempo mm. in, there's one in Hackney and one in Shoreditch. And um, I gave it a go and just loved it. For anyone listening who might not know what Reforma Pilates is, could you please explain what you might do in a Reforma Pilates class? Well, I suppose essentially it's about alignment, strength, toning, somewhat of flexibility that, you know, there isn't much cardio involved generally, but you're kind of strapped into a... BDSM looking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real appeal, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. We just want to be on one of those beds in a yeah. in yeah, a nice yeah, yeah. leather outfit. Yeah. So you're you're on a on on the BDSM bed, strapped into some ropes and pulleys, and you do you work out. Yeah. Yeah. You follow instructions. <laughs> I love how almost all of the reformer beds, as they're called, are like black with kind of silver hardware. Like you really <laughs> yeah. are trying to emulate BDSM. Like they're not white. It's not they're like no. you're walking into a dentist studio. No. Like it no does wood look. anywhere. No. Leather and <laughs> and chrome only. Yeah. I suppose for some of us that's quite inviting, but for people who see one of those beds and think oh my god it's a torture device that's so intimidating (laughs) what would you say to them well do you know what it's funny you say that because I I've always looked at those beds and seen like the fluffy foot straps and I've always thought that's for wimps (laughs) (laughs) lo and behold (laughs) I remember one of the first um reformer plateau sessions I did in New York and I mean, listen, we all know the Americans take things to a whole other level. Yeah. But I remember being so angry that I couldn't, we were using bands and stuff, that I couldn't finish my 20 reps of whatever we were doing. Because, you know, Pilates is great because it really works on those sort of underused and underdeveloped muscles and the, you know, it doesn't just work with the the major muscle groups. And I remember looking at all these women who'd obviously been, you know, doing this class for years or whatever and being so angry. I was like, why have I spent 30 <laughs> years diving and being in gyms all of my life and, and I can't lift my leg, you know? And I remember thinking, okay, this is, there's something in this. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I like the challenge. How do you feel when you come off the reformer Pilates bed? How, how are you feeling in your body? Well, it's probably one of the few things other than maybe some types of yoga where I genuinely feel revived and refreshed and it doesn't make me feel tired and and I can do it at my tiredest and feel brilliant Mm. when I come out the other side and I think like the majority of my working out history has been high intensity high impact high weight you know cardio exhaustion and um 
it's come at the right moment. I found it the right moment in my life where I need to I need to feel empowered as opposed to submissive. <laughs> <laughs> you want Which is why we've gone theme. into the BDSM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing it for years now. How have you noticed your body change or other parts of your well-being and stuff like that change? I think for me, part of the appeal of doing the Pilates is the hour walk through Victoria Park that takes me to the studio and I thought about getting a reformer machine at home because I do it so much and then I thought but then that would destroy the whole sense of getting up in the morning getting my coffee walking through the park enjoying the seasons getting doing this thing and and coming back and um it's really helped with my sort of mental clarity as much as as much as physically Mm. and weirdly I I feel like I don't really miss the cardio and I I actually think that I may be in better shape now in a more kind of, in a healthier way than mm. ever before. Mm. In a holistic way. Yeah. yeah. Mind, body Do you and, feel yeah. very, does it make you feel very strong? Because whenever I've done it, I've felt like, as you say, it works muscles that you didn't know existed yeah. and you definitely feel it the next day. But the strength that you feel as a result is quite um, different to going for a run. Definitely, yeah. And I used to, like you, do a lot of running. And, you know, if I wasn't so tired all the time, <laughs> I'd love to be running, really. Um, but it definitely offers you something different. I mean, they all do. I guess it's about the balance, isn't it? And not just doing one thing. Interestingly, though, I had a session with a reflexologist recently and they actually said, I'm doing too much Pilates and it's actually causing my hips to become very tight, which makes perfect sense, really, because it's all about alignment and it's, you know, and and she said, you know, I do a lot of yoga anyway, but she said, I think you need to chill out on on the reformer and, and do more kind of hip opening things and flexibility because ultimately you just kind of it makes you like this do you know what I mean yeah that was very interesting it never occurred to me that is interesting things you don't think about necessarily until someone actually looks at your body in a different way yeah don't go anywhere we're just going to a quick ad break we've created this podcast with Nike in a bid to uncover what gets some of the most inspirational women moving Let's find out how Nike trainer Marlene Schmidt moves with a quickfire question round. Are you ready, Marlene? Yes. Great. Okay. Morning or evening workout? Evening. Yoga or Pilates? Yoga for sure. Weights or cardio? Cardio. (laughs) Exercising indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. I love that. Best motivational tip? Be compassionate with yourself and go with the day and the time. In one word only, how does moving make you feel? United. So final question, maybe the most important. What or who makes you want to move? My biggest motivation to move is that I have the feeling that every time I step on the mat, I get to know myself a little bit better. Now, back to the show. So in this section of the show, we ask guests about any hurdles they've faced or continue to face. Can we touch briefly on it? You, you've spoken about um, pushing yourself and like pushing yourself more and more. And I'm wondering how that fed into kind of your attitude to mm. your career and other things in your life. Do you think that was a real foundation that was laid early on? Well, my parents weren't, I mean, they're incredibly relaxed, actually. <clears throat> they're very supportive. Um, and I really think there's something in me that just pushes and pushes and pushes and I have to take conscious action to to quieten that part of my brain Mm -hmm. because it isn't healthy sometimes you know it's important to find a balance how do you find that line 
Sorry, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I'm all right these days. I'm a reformed character, I think. Um, <laughs> well, you just got to listen, don't you? And it, and you, at some point, you get to an age where you have to listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't just keep doing things and not listening to your body and like overdoing it on this. Or you know, if if you're busy and traveling loads. We just do smaller, lighter workouts. You know, your circadian rhythm's going to be shot. You're not going to be at your best anyway. So, what's the point in in making things worse? So I think it's just about really managing where you are, sort of emotionally and physically, and and responding to that in a realistic way. But I've I've definitely just not listened and and burnt out a f- number of times. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Burnout for you? Uh, you really want to know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I collapsed. Really? Really? Mm. Like, so physically? On set. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and I got sent home and passed out for seven hours. And was that the wake-up call that you That needed? was one of the wake-up calls. <laughs> that was <laughs> the first again, time. <laughs> um, and I, you know, very recently I had a major burnout. And I'm just kind of coming out of it as well. And it is so hard because, like, you just feel, with something like burnout, you are... You are seriously tired. You're tired of being tired. Mm. I know they they call they call that depression too, don't they? Yeah. Tired of being tired, <laughs> but you really are, and um, and it becomes boring. You become bored of yourself, and you you know you feel like you don't have anything to offer because mm. your chat sucks. You're tired. You don't want to be working. You're exhausted. All this kind of thing. Listen, I. I'm still learning. It sounds so stupid, doesn't it? No, not no. at all. I think we identify with that. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing I I do realise growing up, there was no chill. Mm. I think that wasn't something that my parents... Um, it wasn't part... You know, we didn't have, like, Sundays on the sofa or what... You know, we, we did other things. We were busy all the time. My dad was building things and fixing cars and I was doing it with him and we were you know my mum was always out at work and she was so busy and thank god that she was because I wouldn't have done dancing and diving you know but there was no chill ever (laughs) and um genuinely in the last 10 years there have probably been about three days where I've maybe just stayed at home all day wow gosh yeah and which is why you're so that's not normal (laughs) that's not good you know and I think you know it's so funny. I really do try and listen to people around me and listen to healthy, you know, healthy-minded people around me who say, like, it's totally normal and you should just spend the day chilling on your sofa. Why aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and why do you think it is that you don't do that? You know, I think I I I have ADHD. <laughs> Maybe we should have got that out of the way at the very beginning. <laughs> or at least I appear to. And I think... Um, because it doesn't feel productive. You know, I don't think I've ever understood that there's maybe an association between, you know, you need the rest period. Even in, you know, if you talk about the mind, talk about the physical body, you need moments of rest. You can't just like push and push and push. And I think that had never been made very clear. For whatever reason, I was just a pusher the whole time. And it didn't, why would I waste time chilling out mm, <laughs> what mm. do you gain and of course you do gain yeah. it's the things it's like therapy I think people because you can't quantify it and see it as a physical thing you don't think it does anything or it doesn't feel like it's working but that's you got to just trust the process don't you I have said to myself I am going to sit on my sofa 
all weekend and not get up. And that's what you have to do. I have to do now. Do you know what? I Real housewives of any city in the world is, you know, <laughs> they're all there. They're waiting for you to binge. There's a lot of good binging. Welcome to the club. Binging going on, yeah. In 2019, you wrote a love letter to your skin. How has the relationship with your skin changed after that? Um, I think actually lockdown really helped with sort of getting back in touch with myself. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of time to spend looking in a mirror. Well, it wasn't there. Um, that's where I, when I became a little bit more serious about skincare and skin health, mm-hmm. uh, I think because there was the time to do it age plays a huge role doesn't it and you start to as you see yourself age your relationship with yourself and your skin changes as well you can live with a toothbrush and a bar of soap until you're like you know late 20s really can't you and do you wear makeup to work will you wear makeup to a pilates class oh no way if i can get away with it i'll never wear makeup <laughs> That's a wild. It's like chefs that eat fast food, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. like, come on, man. I'm doing it every day, all day on other yeah. people. I don't yeah. want to be doing it on myself. Fair, it's fair. I actually always, I'm always in the gym in a full face of makeup, but not because I don't put makeup on to go to the gym. I mean. Hold up, but you don't take it off. No. What oh, about would, your pores? No. <laughs> it's a time yeah. thing as well. I'm usually... Like, I get straight out of work. I peg it up the road to Marshall Street to see my personal trainer. I've probably only got five minutes to spare. And I launch myself into the gym where, you know, just literally having stepped out of my work clothes and into a gym kit and into the gym. And I'm always in a full face of makeup. Do you get a sweaty face? Yeah. Wicked. I mean, I, I look less than presentable at the end of it. A little <laughs> chunky, a little So you wear, you wear, what about the lipstick? That's so fun. I would probably, if I was wearing lipstick, I'd probably quickly try and like grab a bit of loo roll and smear it off. But I'm probably still like stained. Like I don't, I'm not using a micellar water or a cleansing balm or anything to take it off before going in. And then honestly, it's so bad. But in the shower afterwards, I'll just use whatever body wash, body wash yeah. is there to like scrub good. my face. And <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, but I, you do you. And if anyone's thinking why you're wearing makeup in the gym, I think that's most their yeah. yeah. I why think, are you looking so hot? You know. <laughs> 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 I think it's more that what I tell myself, which hopefully is true, is that most people in the gym aren't looking at you at all. They're just busy no. with their own stuff. Or they're looking at themselves in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, which is very much what's going on in my gym. <laughs> um, and can we touch briefly on you, you? You've spoken about growing up in a family where conversations around sexuality were never brought up. And then one of your most recent collections like features these amazing penis-shaped lipsticks. <laughs> And the campaign imagery is like incredibly seductive and sexy. How did you like get to that point and kind of when did the change happen? Listen, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I think, um, I think, I mean, no, you can't get around the fact that sex sells, doesn't it? And I think, quite honestly, a lot of what I do is quite performative and that doesn't necessarily reflect who I am at heart. You know, they're just little fractions of parts of me and you know it was a penis shaped lipstick you gotta 
get your ass out, don't you? <laughs> get some sexy looks. Um, so and then languish across the penis in the imagery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to be done. Yeah. Otherwise, what am I going to sit there in like a kilt <laughs> playing apron. bagpipes on this giant chrome penis? <laughs> what Actually, that's a great it's idea. A, I, would, I mean, that's I would quite me. That's the next campaign, right? Yeah. 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 So um, I think I'm just very aware of like, you know, I'm a creative director and I've done that for a long time and I can be objective with myself as well and a lot of my work isn't isn't about um how do I feel and what am I trying to express and who am I trying what's my who's my woman and what no way like I don't even think about it I just think what's going to make an incredible image how do I want to do this you know what what's the what's the red latex thong gonna (laughs) what size is it coming in you know it really is like uh all very practical so in terms of getting there I think it's more about just you know I've had an amazing education in this industry and with different people and with the the Adams company and it's not about me trying to express anything about myself or my sexuality it is purely objective and and creative for the Mm. product yeah yeah I love the performance, like, because you are, you've been a performer for so long, even when you're standing on that diving board, you're performing. I suppose you are, yeah. I, some, I think so, yeah, I'm just going too deep, but I think so much of, of women's quote-unquote sexuality has been performative over the years. Like, it's something we grow up knowing or learning how to do, to perform sexuality, to perform for, like, the male gaze. And then it's, it is separate. It can be very separate in, you know, conjunction with what it actually feels like to understand your own sexuality and to be doing it for you and your Mm. own pleasure. Mm. And those two can be so, so polar opposite, Mm. certainly. I mean, the reality is, as women, we're in the fortunate position where we probably don't really need to do very much. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) We don't really. In any other other animal, in in the animal kingdom, any other species, you'd get the male wearing the silly shoes and (laughs) stupid feathers and doing the dance. And we can just... Do you know what I mean? So it, it is a sort of a strange sort of course of... don't know anthropological course Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it that we've taken into why you know women have to express themselves and seduce so much yeah Yeah. because actually you know for example when it comes to smell Mm. you might know this and you've you've had a baby right Mm -hmm. smell for women is much more important and pheromone, the smell of pheromones than it is to men because ultimately we've got to sit with this thing for nine months inside us. So it's a bigger risk yeah. if you're taking on, that, you know, genes that are not, or whatever, you know, the his spunk's got to be right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's all yeah, about yeah, smell. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> How do we edit this? <laughs> Should I try and say all this in a different way? No, no. I love it. Smell the spunk. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Sniff test. No, but because we have to be, as a woman, it's, it's, there's more at stake, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah Whereas yeah. men, you know, there isn't. They can do their thing. And piss off. And piss off. They don't have to think about the next nine months. It's a strange one, isn't it? This next part of the show is called Ask Me Anything and it's where our L readers have the chance to send in any questions that they are desperate to ask you. Okay, so this one is from Anna and she says, you seem to travel a lot for work. How do you stay active when you're travelling? 
I that's a big challenge actually for me and uh, really really important I take exercise bands with me and I do little YouTube workouts sometimes in my hotel room or I'll go for walks it depends doesn't it I mean if you're in New York and LA I mean you just have to walk down the block and you'll find some kind of stupid (laughs) (laughs) new trend yeah 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 what's that with with goats is that a real thing? Yes, yeah, have you not YouTube seen it? it. Mountain yoga. Goat. Yeah, they yeah. climb on you as you're doing your downward dog and stuff. Like they. Oh them. my god, are you serious? <laughs> how have you not seen this? Okay, get like this woman to a dream. goat yoga class. You're going to have to do another episode where your thing is not Pilates, it's goat yoga. <laughs> I've heard of doom yoga. What's, What's that? that? Like doom metal Doom metal, music. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can. Fun. We have a lot of that in our household. Oh, I bet. Maybe I'll do some yoga to get through it next time. So Frankie's asked if there's anything similar to reformer Pilates that's maybe more affordable mm, oh yeah I mean it's it's expensive isn't it um there are so many good YouTubes out there and you know YouTube has gotten me through so many situations when I've been abroad for long periods or been in a country where uh, there's been no access to any kind of facilities I honestly I think it's really really good you might have to invest in a bit of equipment you know, bands or some weights or whatever it is. But there's just like, and it's great. And you can just mix it up the whole time. Yeah. Mm. Finally, last one. Yar wants to know who's the funniest celebrity you've worked with. She just must be the name of de maman, <laughs> Gwendolyn Christie. She is so such funny. A laugh. She is such a laugh. Yeah. Why not mention her again? She's great. So now in this final section of the show, how I keep it going, we're going to discuss with expert Nike coaches and trainers how to make fitness sustainable for all. So we're joined again by Nike trainer Marlene Schmidt. Hi Marlene. First of all, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what your whole shtick is? For sure. Um, So Nike trainer here in Berlin um, with a focus on meditation and yoga. I started off my career in gymnastics, actually, as already as a child, and then started training kids, but also teens. And that was my first touch point with working with bodies and humans. Um, but back then, it was really competitive. And I reached that point where it was just a bit too much for me, also my mental health. And I was searching for something where I could keep the connection with my body, but still work with the body in a more holistic way. So that was my enter point into yoga and being with the body. Wonderful. So you feel like there's a lot of, uh, like there's a theme running through all of this that we, we women, we go to bat and we push ourselves, we push ourselves and we realize for our own sanity, we have to like take a step back and, <laughs> and stop doing that. Now we heard Isamea talk earlier about actually doing so much reformer Pilates that it made her hips really tight and that actually doing yoga might be a great thing to help her open that back up again. Do you have any particular advice or tips for her as she does that? Yeah, I think balance is always key. Um, I mean, 
she should also not do now yoga every single day, but maybe just once a week or so. Um, yeah, to loosen things up again and maybe even integrating some dance sessions again, if you're feeling like doing that, um, would also help loosening up the, <laughs> the more rigid structures that are great also to create stability in the body. But sometimes, you know, loosening it up, um, creating mobility again. And also these more free movement can also be super helpful to create some lightness in body uh, and joint spaces. Do we store a lot of emotion in our hips? Because I know you store emotion, like tension in your jaw. Is it the same with the hips? Yes. Um, so the physical body, I think we were speaking about this also earlier, and the brain, our, our nervous system are interconnected. And on a body reading level, the uh, hip is like the basement of the body. So we, we say that we store a lot of stuff that we don't want to see in our hips and we kind of shuffle it down. So um, it is definitely possible that when you stretch the hips open, emotional release can be happening. And also the hip flexor is like the fight and flight muscle. So basically back in the days when we were still um, having predators all around us, we need to flee as quickly as we could when there was danger around us. Um, so we would like run away. And that same stress mechanism is still in our physical habitual behavior. So when we feel stress, it can be an emotional stress, it can be a situation, it can be a conversation with a person whatsoever, and we still have that same physical reaction to it. And that is like actually creating this tightness in the front of your hip um, because you're not releasing it because you usually don't run away, but you rather just stay where you are or sit or lie or whatever. So there is definitely a um, sensation of stress accumulating if you're not releasing. So it's actually super helpful after a stressful situation at work to actually go for a run or even just a walk or doing a dance session so you physically also release that tension that has built up in your physical body can i can i make a comment yeah Please. of course so yeah. funny you say um maybe do like dancing or something that gets you kind of moving in those unusual ways because i recently i did a yoga session with a teacher that i'd never worked with before and uh for part of the lesson, she just literally, you know, we just literally did that. You can't see what I'm doing. You can see what I'm doing. I'm just waving my arms around and whatever. Yeah. And it was so overwhelming. I almost burst into tears wow. because I, I was just, I suddenly realized how, I don't know what it was. Just, I, I haven't moved like that for maybe like 10 years or something, you know, even even like doing a lot of yoga and Pilates is it is very kind of structured and it's all about kind of uh, alignment alignment and posture and stuff and doing things it's that self-elected madness again yeah, yeah. it's okay. like the expunging of the demons isn't mm, it the release the yeah, release, opening the exercising the demons sorry mm. i don't know if you've heard of ecstatic dance it's a big thing in berlin it's a way of moving and dancing without any drugs or alcohol and it's just <laughs> a bunch of people who like who like to dance and it's so fun because you literally get high just by moving your own body and it's um it's something that frees me especially as i'm also a person that likes to control stuff and hold things together it's a practice that really gives me freedom in all dimensions um so can definitely recommend that if there's some spot in London or somewhere in the UK. You said ecstatic dance, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's great. Does That's it count it. if you're just in your bedroom <laughs> yeah. with music turned up very loudly? Sure. Okay. 
100% you can do that on your own as well. Just turn up your songs and move in any way. I think it's just like this difference between when you t you dance in a way that you want to be liked or impress other mm. people and instead like connecting to just move in any way and just move in a way that feels good. And not care what people think. Thank you so much for sharing that, Marlene. Thank you so much. That was really, really, really insightful. We're really um, pleased to have had you on to talk to us about that. Thanks, Marlene. Thank, thank you for joining you. us, Isamea, as well. Thank, thank you so yeah, much for having so me. And thank you for listening. We would love to hear what you'll be taking from this episode. Email us at podcasts at luk.com or you can DM us at luk. If you love Isamea's work as much as we do, you can find her on Instagram at Isamea French. And that's got two Fs in it. Next week, we're going to be joined by the amazing singer-songwriter and Mercury Prize winner Arlo Parks. She's going to be telling us why she loves hit. If you've enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and make sure you never miss another episode by following Why I Move on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. This was an LUK podcast in association with Nike. Produced by Curly Media for Hearst. See you next week. This podcast was brought to you by Nike. We're joined again by Nike trainer Marlene Schmidt. Marlene, what's the most surprising lesson that yoga has taught you? As I started, I thought it's only about being flexible. And over time, I learned that it's so much more on the emotional and mental level. And right now, it's a continuous journey of acceptance, compassion and gratitude. I love that. Thanks, Marlene. <laughs>